Welcome everybody once again to Rodeo Radio. Uh, this is our fifth episode, which I'm uh, happy to announce because uh, when we first started this, you know what, I didn't know how long we were going to go. I wanted it to go for so long, but you know, we've had such a great response and I thank everybody once again for tuning in. Uh, just a quick reminder, Rodeo Radio was inspired by Steve Yano and his wife Susan for having their stand at the Swamp Meet, which is a, a open-air market or a flea market. And they gave many, many uh, independent artists an opportunity, a platform to uh, actually showcase their music. Uh, many times DJs can go there and actually spin on his turntables at his stand. Uh, many rappers actually went over there and uh, got the bust of freestyle over just a break beat or whatnot. But once again, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is our fifth episode, and I have somebody very special, somebody who's very dear to me as a friend. I've been knowing him now for about 29 to 30 years, somewhere around there. And we actually pretty much talk every single day. If we don't send each other memes, if we're not clowning around, we're on the phone talking sports. But that's the kind of friend that I have with my friend. Without further ado, Gritty Greg, yo. Gritty Greg, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yes. Um, before we get into the red tape, before we get into DJ Quick, Second to None, AMG, I even throw High C in there, uh, Payers Playing House, um, I, your tone loke, yes. I want to get into Gritty Greg, and as far as uh, where were you raised at? Uh, South Central. Now, have you always stayed in South Central? Born and raised South Central. Born and raised. Yeah. And uh, um, what about as far as because I, I know the house you're, you're staying at, and I'm not going to give the address, but have you always lived there as well? Uh, or I've been there for about thirty years, but before then, I stayed in up there by ordered by Manual Arts. Okay. Okay. Second. What what uh, um what elementary did you attend? Uh, Scoot a little bit in. Uh, Raymond Raymond Avenue off of Normandy in seventy six. And uh, your uh, junior high school. Uh, horse man, those were bad years. Yeah, they were Crazy bad years. They were bad years for me. I mean, I was so good. They held me back in eighth grade twice. <laughs> you know, but you know, I, I'm dead serious. I never really applied myself. Right. I went to Wilmington Junior High School, but those were not good years. If I can go back in time. Somebody asked me, what would you go back and do? And I said, I would go back and I would remake those years. So Yeah, I would go back and go to another junior high because that was crazy crowded. years. Crazy, crazy. crazy, crazy. What, what high school did you... Um, of course, Crenshaw. Crenshaw, okay. okay. I'm just asking. Cougars. Cougars. The, 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 the public needs to know this. The only school in the city this. that matters. Yes, yes. You know, I was there not too long ago picking up a drum machine from a guy who was installing air conditioning there. And I was looking at the housing and everything, and I thought to myself, man, this would be dope to make a scary movie. Because I plan in the future to actually, uh, my dream is to do a scary movie. Mm -hmm. I want to do a scary movie in the hood uh, uh, based on the 80s, you know. So, mm -hmm. but we'll get into that a little bit more. What year did you graduate? 
I tell you, uh, I would be exposing my age, 78. 78, okay. Yeah. I was supposed to graduate in 86. When I got to 12th grade, um, I just didn't care about school anymore. I, I pretty much just wanted to, do, I wanted to DJ. That's what I really wanted to do. Right. You know, so anyways, so after high school, what, what, what did you get involved in as far as music is concerned or, you know? Well, I, I've, I've always been around music. My father was kind of managing a few uh, old blues artists. Really? Like Jimmy Reed and... He, he fooled around with Johnny Taylor and wow. uh, Otis Redding around that time. Was, see, see, I didn't know that about and I've been knowing you for a long time. Yeah. Now, did you ever meet any of those guys growing up? I'm, I, I met a couple of them. Yeah? yeah I, so, I was, as a kid, that's pretty much the type of music you were raised around yeah, in. That's that exactly. And uh, what happened was... My parents used to throw a lot of house parties. Right, right, of course. And somehow I ended up being the DJ, and I fell in love with the music and DJing. Now, okay, before we get into you DJing, because I know you used to DJ. I've seen pictures of you DJing. I think at one point you had a nice suit, your hands are thrown up, you had a big old throat. <laughs> uh, but, okay, now, that's the type of music your father played. What type of music did your mother play growing up? Uh, you know, Al Green, same, same type of Al Green, Richard Franklin. Okay. You know, Teddy Pendergrass. Okay. All that type of stuff that was happening around yeah. the time. At that time, I didn't, I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know? Right, right. Now, I really appreciate that. Of course. Of course, well, especially the state of music today. Yes. You know, now, uh, are your parents originally from South Central? Um, My mother's from uh, East Texas and my father's from Dallas. Okay. And they, oh, so they're both pretty much from Texas. Yeah. You ever visit over there a lot while you were a kid? Oh, you get out of school on Friday, summer summertime. Right. You're on an airplane that night for summer, East Texas in the country. Okay. You go to Texas. Your parents are from Texas. How come you're not a Dallas Cowboy fan? Oh, I can't stand them Cowboys. Ugh. You guys hear this? Ugh. Oh, okay. I get it. Respect, it's, it's, I like. I, I respect the Cowboys. It's just the fans are ridiculous. Well, okay. Hey. I'm going to leave that one alone. Okay. I'm going to leave that one alone. Now, you, 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 was your dad a Cowboy fan? Yes. He really was? Yes. Okay. Well, if we go to the Super Bowl this year, we'll talk about that later. You better root for them. <laughs> well, okay. I know that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> not going to the Super Bowl. You, you know, growing up with me, my dad, if he didn't play like a lot of Spanish romantic, it was almost like mariachi-based music. Uh -huh. The group was called Los Panchos. And anybody who's Mexican or who's old-fashioned grew up with that kind of music. Right. Uh, my father also played like a lot of like, I'm sure you remember like Neil Sedaka, uh, um, Herb Albert, Tijuana Brass Band, mm -hmm. um, Frankie Valley. Right. And, and then we grew up watching, uh, of course, Laverne and Shirley, uh, Happy Days and Sha Na Na. Remember them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so around what age would you say, Greg, that you thought about becoming a DJ or were you introduced? Who, you know, like who was the first guy that you possibly saw, if anything, that made you want to do that? I, I didn't see no, I didn't see really? anyone. No one inspired me to DJ. What happened was my parents had a party one time and what changed my life and got me excited about, really excited about music. It was, a, uh, I was playing this song by the Dramatics, uh -huh. Door, Door to Your Heart. And I seen this, it just affected this woman. This woman started crying and started dancing all on the floor by herself because it was a slow song. Right. 
But I was like, wow, this, this music thing, it can really make people do things. <laughs> right, right. Uh, dope, dope. So, I, you know, I had one turntable and, you know, that's right. the, the component set. You know, right. That was, that was the starting point. You, you know, it's funny because, and, 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 and I'm going to have to remind you, Greg, so please forgive me. You're going to have to speak a little bit closer to the mic because I need the public to really hear okay. what you got to say. Because to me, this is important. Uh, it's funny that you say that because how the, you said that woman actually got so emotional or whatnot. Right. I was 11 years old. If I'm correct, either 11 or 12 years old, I had just graduated to sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And my brother takes me to a club. And I saw the way he controlled the crowd with the music, playing right. a certain song at the right time. And it didn't necessarily have to be a new song, as long as you knew how to keep the people dancing. Right. You know, back then, that's when the DJs used to, uh, well, at least he did, blend with the faders going up and down. You know, they didn't have a crossfader, at least didn't he didn't have one then. <laughs> Then he went on to DJ with a, a round fader, you know, or it was, it was weird because the way he would blend to go from right to left, he would actually, like if he was praying, he would, he would turn the wheel like this. It was weird. Right. But when I saw that, that's when I knew what I wanted to be. Cause so I actually saw him first mm -hmm. and then eventually, uh, um, I saw Grandmaster Flash on a commercial on TV and I was like, what the hell is that? First time I saw scratching, but I didn't see it in person. It wasn't until I went to Calvin Anderson uh, VIP record store that I saw his brother, King Tim. And I was like, what the hell? And I was just a kid. So that's what inspired me. So that's why I'm asking. Because I, I really like to dig into people. I like to pick, dig uh, people's, um, pick their brains when right. it comes to DJing, what started them, what inspired them. So from that point on, where did the next turntable come from? Like. And, uh, I met uh, my cousin introduced me to the, which was turned out to be my business partner. Okay. Uh, big bass Brian. Big bass Brian. Rest yeah. in peace, big bass Brian. Yeah, and uh, you know he was DJing house parties and stuff. So then we, we um, formed together, and we started doing house parties together. Uh -huh. He said, "Well, you got to get two turntables," and I was like, "I didn't know what right, right. was going on," you know. Mm. And that that inspired me to okay. you know learn and start mixing. How soon after that did you start doing your 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 um, your I guess house parties or whatever? You know, uh, did you practice a lot first? I practiced a lot first, yeah. Yeah, because the last thing that a DJ ever wants to do is do some cruddy mixes. Because some cruddy mixes sound like somebody threw some shoes in a dryer. And, it, <laughs> you know, it sounds like some horse yeah, track yeah, races. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah. You know, today, you know, it's sad because people don't want to blend. So they'll just throw on a shotgun or throw on an effect and then just right. throw on the next song. You know, when back then, uh, what a lot of people don't realize today, we had to actually blend with live drummers. Right. You know, live drum, whether it be Ray Parker Jr. into uh, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire or whatnot. Well, when I, when I DJed, I took real pride in being able to ride and, and blend real smooth, Dope. you know, from song to song without Dope. the, the uh, people on the dance floor yeah. knowing the records changing, actually changing, you know. So I was that was big, big for me. Now, okay, as, as a DJ question, did you ever DJ any parties where fights broke out and what did you do as a DJ? No, man, I was that good. I had people partying. They were really? too busy partying to fight. You, okay, look at uh, <laughs> uh, um, When I started DJing, you would have a bunch of essays there, mm -hmm. and then they would get drunk. He's looking at my girl or whatnot, <laughs> and they start fighting. Right. I would turn down the music, and as soon as they break it up, what I, the way I would always calm them down, I would play a slow song. You know, so that way they can grab the girl. That's always pretty much... Time to savage beast. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then there was times where I wanted to provoke a fight, 
uh, I, I would play Colors when Colors came out, <laughs> and everybody started throwing up the gang signs. Turned up the volume really loud because I wanted to get the hell out of there. Somebody would call the cops, and I'm scot free. Got paid. <laughs> so, th th so there's ways to end the party and ways how to come down a party. Right. So that's good. Now, how long have you been DJing now before you dabbled into managing? Well, I didn't. My first step, my, my my transition was actually. I was doing a lot. I did a lot of clubs okay. around the city. Between uh, when I first started DJing, I did a lot of clubs. I did a lot of, I did a lot of equipment rentals. I had a lot of, I had a big clientele. Of, you know, oh, dope! Variety See, of clientele. Another thing I didn't know about you. I had Asian, Persians, Jewish people renting stuff like renting and hiring. Me like like what were you selling? Like like some uh, certain Vegas. Um, Vegas had thirty fives. Had some base bottoms. Had lights. Access to lights. You know, turntables. Wow. And, and around what years was this taking place? This is like in uh, 89, 90. Oh, okay. So you know. that's actually right before I met you then. Right, right before you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now, uh, we're going to jump a little bit ahead. If I'm correct, uh, Tone Loke is your cousin? Yeah, Tone Loke's my cousin. Okay. Now, when I say Tone Loke, we're talking about Wild Thing, Funky Cole Medina, Chiba Chiba. Right. Actually, Chiba Chiba was the first mm -hmm. song that I heard from him. Chiba Chiba on fire. On fire, exactly. And his DJ was DJ M Walk. M Walk, yeah. Yeah, from uh, 1580 KD back then. It was weird because when Steve, uh, Steve Yano had given me those Chiba Chiba records, I, I brought, I took them home and I heard that uh, uh, Chiba Chiba, and I guess at the very end, uh, M Walk scratched in Mary Jane. And I thought that was dope. And uh, Mary Jane by the, uh, by, uh, I almost said Slick Rick, Rick James. Um, and I remember I told Steve, I like him, but it was weird because a lot of people were saying that Tone Loke was trying to sound like Rakim. Have you ever heard that? No. no yes. Way. A lot of people. You know what? Mostly Latinos. that were, hey, man, you like that Chiba Chiba? And I was like, yeah, I like it. He's trying to sound too much like Rakim. And <laughs> so I asked Steve that, and Steve said the same thing. He goes, yeah, you know, people say that, but that's just his voice. Right. You know, but uh, um, yeah. So when when he dropped that single, were you already managing him, working with him? Uh, how did that come about? Well, I, I started with uh, at my, my transition from DJing. I called myself trying to produce. Okay, well, I went out and bought a bunch of equipment that I had no clue on how to work. <laughs> and set up in my uh, living room for right. a while, and uh, Tone was a member of this group called the Triple A Crew. Triple A crew. Yeah. Not triple A that comes and not the, tri okay. not the triple A that comes and tow okay. your car. This is the triple A crew because it was it, it was Anthony, Anthony, and Anthony. So they called it the triple A. Oh, that's dope. You know, so and then um I got a call from what Mike Ross, which is the owner of the Delicious Vinyl. Delicious Vinyl, yes. They called me and they're like, Man, we 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 can put this record label together. We need an artist. So I went to Tone and said, Hey, I got these guys. Cause uh Mike Ross was clients of mine to rent equipment from me. Okay. And uh so I took him to their studio, and you know, the rest is yeah history, I guess. Around what year did that drop? Was that like around 87? 87, 89, somewhere between there, 87, 89. Okay. So you took him, if you will, he gets, what, a single deal? He gets a single deal. Okay. Uh, you know, they, they, they dropped, uh, I think On Fire was the first one, and then Cheaper Cheaper. They were just fishing around trying to find a hit. And then when they came up with Funky Cold, not Funky Cold, but... Uh, Wild thing, right. Tone, Tone hated that record. I most most artists that have their hits mm -hmm. like uh, Ice Ice Baby, Mentirosa, La Raza, and I'm just gonna say it. 
eventually those guys end up hitting their, their hits. Right. Uh, I don't get it. I don't understand. I tried to understand it, but it got to the point that I didn't want to understand it no more. You know, right. why they despise those songs. You know, uh, my, my good friend Melo, much love and respect to him. When I started working with him in uh, 96 to 98, we were getting shows. And believe it or not, he was refusing to do Mentirosa. <laughs> why? Uh, That's where your money's at. I, you know, well, and I was trying to do another song, mm -hmm. something like that, to possibly give that market or his crowd something like that again. And he was somewhat against that as well. Well, artists don't, because they don't look at themselves. I know. And they all, they all want to be something that they're not. Tom, yeah. Tom yeah. wanted to do gangster rap. Yeah. And I, and I was like, this record is going to change your life. W w was he ever involved in that type of lifestyle? Sort of, kind of. Okay. You know, sort of. Okay, so now, Chiba Chiba drops. Mm -hmm. um, now, were you managing him at the time? I was managing him at the time, yeah. Okay. Now, being a manager now, I know possibly it was new to you. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Thank you. Because <laughs> most of us don't like, you know. You know I was just... Going with the flow and yes. thinking, thinking about doing, uh, doing the right thing, doing what I. Uh, of course, I had no clue. I, I was okay. clueless. Um, so now Chiba Chiba drops. So did, if I'm correct, did Wild Thing come out? That was his next single, correct? Uh, Wild Thing came. Uh, Wild Thing came out. Yeah. And was that on Delicious Vinyl as well? That was on just Delicious Vinyl. It's, it, all of his, all of his success. Was off the first album and it was all on delicious vinyl. Okay. At the time, you know, it was a singles game, like uh -huh. like it is now. Music business going back to singles, singles business. Okay. So he just kept flinging. They kept flinging out singles, 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 singles. Yeah, and I remember back then they never really put covers like pictures on singles. No. You know, it, it was weird because uh, it took me a long time to find out what Biz Markie looked like. And then when he put him <laughs> on the album cover, I was like, that's why they didn't put him on the single, <laughs> you know. But, but uh, um, okay, so let me ask you this about, because, and I want to say 1988, I did my most popular tape, uh, which I was, I was already doing stuff for Steve from right. 87. And Steve calls me. We had already put Chiba Chiba on one of our mixtapes. And he says, hey, uh, remember... Uh, uh, oh, Orlando, uh, Delicious Vinyl. Mm -hmm. He calls up Steve and he says, hey, man, I got this guy that is getting ready to drop a hot record. And it was Wild Thing. Mm -hmm. And Steve goes, hey, man, uh, you want to check out, you know, you want to get this guy on a record? And I was like, well, let me hear the song. And he played it for me. And I thought it, as a DJ, uh, I thought the song was fire. Okay. Now, mm -hmm. let me ask you, as a DJ, what did you think of the song when you heard it? I thought it was fire because I, I, when I listen to music, I don't really listen to music for myself i listen to say okay wh who's gonna like this record and why they're gonna like it right will it make people move right that's the most important thing one thing that i learned about you and it used to tick me off because i i used to play demos for you and then you would just stand there just listening and i wanted you to bob your head so damn bad <laughs> i wanted you to like it i was like okay give me tap your foot let me see you do this you know something and then you were like uh, let me see what I can do with it. That's what you used to say. And I was like, okay, I don't even know if he even liked it. And then one day I kind of cornered you and I said, Greg, how can you never do it? And then you say, I don't have to like it. I want to see if I can see a video. How can I sell it? 
You know, uh, uh, can I hear it on the radio? Can I hear it in the club? All of those things, all those elements that I never knew mm-hmm. that w- was going through your mind. And that's when I said, okay. So I started doing the same thing when people would play me music. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, everything sounds dope when it's loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so what I was like, turn it down a little bit. And let me listen. Okay. But, okay, so now uh, when I heard it, we go to, I guess, I, I don't know if it was Orlando's house or whatnot. Tone Look was there, your cousin. And it was like around 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and he was already tore up. He had already drank an eight ball. <laughs> and uh, he had uh, wrapped on my mixtape, and that went over very well because the, the, the video was about to drop. But uh, did, did that song take off immediately? Yes. I mean, I knew that, but I wanted you. Yes, it took okay. off. Yes. It, it took off, and he took off. Okay. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Right. When did the management partnership, I guess, dissolve or Breakaway. As soon as that record took off, he took off. Wow. It just, you know, it just disappeared. So is it safe to say, I'm saying it, you're not saying it. Is it safe to say that some people change when money? Oh, they all change. They all change. Yeah. The, the same it, thing with me. You same. know, it's like the every artist that I, I've dealt with, they all change. Yeah. I know I'm in trouble when, I, when I'm talking to the artist and say, first thing they tell me is, I'm going to make you a lot of money. I was like, oh, oh, oh I know that's I, right. And I've been there when I've heard people tell you that. And then I'm like, okay, what time is it? Okay, I'll give about a month. That's good, yeah. Yes. Th- th- as soon as the money comes, it's a whole new person. That is very, very true. I work with artists that, um, you know, we would drink out of the same cup and eat a cup of noodles together because we were broke as hell. Right. But as soon as checks were cut, it wasn't showing up to the studio anymore. Right. You know, we're going to meet here at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. He'll show up at seven with an entourage now because he received a $7,000 check. Right. You know, and and here's one bad rap that I believe managers get. And I know to a certain extent this happened to you that rappers will, will get their check cut out to them. They'll go below it maybe in a car, a chain, a cell phone, liquor, women, and then come back and say, we need more money. And then when they don't get it, he's ripping us off. Exactly. 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 That's the way it goes down, you know. Yeah. And it's not always your manager's fault. Right. You know, I always try to, when I when I start working with artists, I I, I preach to them. So you got to always remain humble. When you start making it, you got to seize the moment. It's not going to, this is not going to last forever. So you got to remain humble. Yes. And, and, and do as much as you can with that moment. Yes. They don't listen. No, they don't. See, me and you have remained friends for for the longest time because you're a humble person. I'm a humble person. We understand each other. Right. Violet Brown, I've been been knowing her since I've been a teenager. And I remember when I met her, she told me, you're so humble, Tony. She goes, are you still going to be humble when you blow up? Well, (laughs) I I never considered myself to blow up. But guess what? I can call it whenever I want. Right. You know, we're still good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Jerry Heller one day tells me, I'm having dinner with him. I want to say he's like 98. And uh, um, he tells me, you, you're never going to make it in this music business. And I said, thank you, Jerry. That was very encouraging. <laughs> and then he tells me, you're too humble. And, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you right. know what? I maintain my friends. Right. You know, I don't burn no bridges. I'm, I am who I am. Right. I'm, I'm never going to change. I'm always going to be the same. Right. You know. So, so now, things between you and Tone Loke dissolve, and I don't want to drag the Tone Loke, Goody Greg story on too long. Mm-hmm. Was there ever any communication between you guys where he just said bye, 
No. Or, or did he just go MIA? It just went MIA, changed his numbers, and he moved from one house to a bigger house. Right. And just stopped responding. H how soon after that, how many years or months before you ran into him again? When I sued him. Wow. Well, that's another story for another show. <laughs> uh, uh, so you ended up suing him. Wow. Right. Okay. Okay. That takes place. Now, if I'm correct, your next artist is DJ Quick. I just want to tap a little bit into that because we're going to be going to commercial in about five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I want to pick it up when we come back. But it, would you mention managing anybody after Tone Loke other than Quick? Yeah, AMG. Oh, so, so see, I, I, I didn't even know that. I had, I had AMG, uh, I met AMG when he was 19, 18, 19, uh -huh. uh, through a friend. And he used to come over, we record, record stuff I, out of the house. And, wow. You know. Wow. And, and now, and before he was AMG, he was known as what? Spin. Spin. I remember when I had met him, I want to say it was 89 is around the same year I met Quick. Mm -hmm. So he must, Quick must have been maybe 19 because I met Crawford in eight, late 88 and he was still in high school. Right. If Quick and, 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 and Crawford, high C, are the same age and I met him around the same time. Right. But uh, uh, I remember when I met Spin, he was Spin and then one day he showed up, I'm AMG now. <laughs> so I was like, for well, reals? Well, he was spending, he had, he had a, a partner, the DJ, they called us up the Hustle Brothers. Okay. You know, and but they couldn't get any, couldn't get any tractions out on his records because okay. his, his, his first couple of songs was like so vulgar, you know. Yeah. It was like, he was in my living room recording and my mom right. come in and was like. Yeah. What are you saying? <laughs> Everything was, bitch, you can lick my. That's pretty much, yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty much him. Uh, um. But I mean, one day he, you, it, it was, um, I think Steve had just bought some Korg uh, keyboard. You had came by, Quick had came by, AMG, and you guys showed up to my house here in Wilmington. Not this house, but my other house. And uh, that's when he tells me, uh, I'm AMG now. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, so you're not, not spinning. He goes, no, don't call me that no more. And I was like, all right. So Steve uh, uh, was there, and Steve goes, hey, what's up, Spin? He goes, man, I fucking told you, don't call me, you know? <laughs> And I was like, damn, like he took that serious. <laughs> you know, uh, um, maybe you may know, or maybe he named himself after the car. Is AMG an acronym? Because people always ask me, what does AMG stand for? And I go, ask him. I never knew. That's a mystery, right? It's a mystery. Okay, because people ask me all the time, what does AMG stand for? Hey, I don't is... think he knew what AMG stands for. <laughs> hey, he but it's stuck, right? And it it's works. It's stuck. It's stuck and it works. Okay. So AMG, how long did you have him now before you meet the Quickster? Uh, about we worked together about six months. Six months. Six months. Wow. Now that was before he wore his first pair of Dickies, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody makes fun of that. Before he became gangster, he was before yeah. he, he was kind of a, a preppy kid. Yeah. Yeah. Know? I because I remember he had the high top fade. He had the high top fade. Yeah. So I thought he was spin because maybe he was a dancer and he spinned around a lot. That was true. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, uh, well, he ended up telling me later on when we filmed the documentary it was because he turned his uh, words backwards, like uh, let him was motel and 304 was for ho. And yeah. So, um, so you end up meeting quick uh, uh, soon after then. Soon after the yeah. Who, who, how did you meet him? Who introduced you to him? Well, at the time, uh, at the time I was uh, working in stu the studio called Total Track. 
Okay. I was just doing the samples for them and stuff like that, you know. You remember back in the day, the first sampling keyboard was the Mirage keyboard? Yes. I had bought a Mirage keyboard, you know. Never really figured out how to work that thing. But, right, right. You know, I, I knew how to do a few samples, trim them, and, you know, for records and stuff. And so one day I went, I went over there to work on a project that they were working on. It was a girl named Klaja, which okay. was... Uh, she was the, 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 the cute girl that was in the Bobby Brown video and the Hammer video. Okay. And so she had a reputation that you get her in your video, you're going to go you go platinum. Right, right, right. So Quick was actually pro trying to produce her. Okay. So I went over there and um, he was in there, you know, doing what he do, producing. And we started talking and he said, hey, I belong to this group. We got this tape, penthouse players. And I was like, oh, cool. Let me check them out. And, you know, I... I liked what I heard. Yeah, I right. wanted to move on the whole group. Okay. Now, at that time, were you managing? Was there anything written between you and AMG yet, or was it just, just on, the, on the strength? Just on the strength. Okay. So, uh, um, so quick uh, comes in, if you would, and obviously the DEA. That was that was, that was later. Okay, that was later. So, mm -hmm. player players penthouse. That was with Tweet Cadillac. Tweet Cadillac and Player Ham. Play Ham. So it's yeah. just them three. Just those three and quick. Okay. Okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to touch on that because I eventually want to talk about, well, when we come back from break about the red tape, the infamous red tape, you know, because, you know, that took on stories of its own. <laughs> okay. We're, we're actually going to play uh, the song that I believe real dope mm -hmm. that actually kicked it off. Right. And, and I remember uh, listening to that song. We were upstairs in your room at your, at your house. Right. And you guys allowed us to put it on a mixed tape. So... I think people always refer to that mixtape as the red tape because it was on there and it was for sale. You know, when when the other one, if I'm correct, you can create from was just a demo. Right. So people always thought the red tape, the red tape, go to the rhodium. And I was like, there's no red tape at the rhodium, <laughs> you know. But that song was when he mentioned CMW. We're going to play that after this next song. But now uh, um, I, I want to let people know that uh, the next song we're about to listen to is uh, 8 Ball, the original version. Uh, uh, that Quick did not put on his first album. If I'm correct, I think he couldn't clear the slipping into darkness. Yeah, couldn't. Uh, the war wouldn't wouldn't uh, clear the sample. Okay, so war wouldn't clear the sample. I have it now. Uh, these songs were actually I don't want to say remastered, but we took the best quality that we could take off of a cassette because these cassettes were like 30 years old. <laughs> so some of them may sound kind of nasty, you know, full of hiss. But those of you that are into that. You know, this is just for you then. So we're gonna hear Eight Ball, the original version, and after that we're gonna hear Real Dope. And we're going to have a little commercial, and then we're going to come back and get into DJ Quick, Secretary on AMG, and the red tape. Fine. We're good? We're good. Okay, Johnny Boy, take us away. Yo, that was technical difficulty, but thank uh, everybody for tuning in. And uh, the songs you heard were produced around 89, 1990, somewhere around then. Uh, uh, once again, that was A Ball, and then the other one was Real Dope. Real Dope pretty much was started to be between Quick and MC8. Um, <clears throat> anyways... Back to my special guest here, Greedy Greg, who's a special, a good friend of mine. You know, I, I can count my friends with one hand, Greg, and half fingers left over. <laughs> and you're one of my friends, okay? So, but now you were telling me on break that uh, before, uh, well, I should say after. After uh, Tone Loke, I was uh, producing a female rapper named uh, Roche. Roche. Yep. And uh, we did a single on that was actually my first, very first single I ever produced or ever did. And we got a little traction. Uh, actually, Luke wanted to sign her. 
Luke who? Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. Okay. Yeah. For the fans, they have to know who that is. Yeah, Luke Skywalker. But I didn't, you know, I didn't really want her to go down that road. Right, right. You, you already know. know what would happen. So. Yeah. So uh, we balked on that. And actually, in some weird way, Tone Loke came back around and signed her to his label. Oh, wow. Yeah. Snatched her up. Yeah. It just seems like that. It just wasn't good for some reason. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I, my thing is this, that if it's not working with somebody, I'm going to leave him alone and I'm going to do my own thing. Right. But don't take people's artists, at least. That's the well, I, I, you know, because she had met him through me. Okay. And they hung out, you know, the Loke used to have the, the party house. Right, right, of course. It's on Olympic. So, you know, it, it was cool. We offered her some money and actually we paid quick to produce her first single. Wow. And that was before his stuff came out then? Before his stuff came out. Wow. See, I wish you would have told me. I would have had that song to play today. <laughs> I don't think you would have to play Well, that song. It, it doesn't matter. If it it's out matter. there, it's out there. It's out I'm there. sure somebody can YouTube it. Right. So, uh, so how, how do you look it up? What, I, what's I the name of the song? I, I can't even remember how to look it up for. Okay. You're, now you're lying. I can tell when you're lying, Greg. <laughs> okay. So her name was what again? Roche? Roche. Yeah. But what was her rapping name? Just Roche? Rhyme, Rock, and Roche. Ron, Rock, and Roche. Rhyme, Rhyme. Rhyme, Rock, she, and she Roche. She just went by Roche, really. Okay. And she was sort of like on the line of uh, Queen Latifah. That that era. Okay. Okay. So you guys can look it up on YouTube, see if it's available. Right. So now AMG is in the house. Yep. Okay. 19 year old kid. Mm -hmm. Okay. You meet quick several months after that. Right. He's with uh, PPC. Right. Okay. Um, how did that happen, though, when you started working with him? And because obviously, now, was he still with them as, as far as when either you signed them? Because when his album came out, they, they weren't on his first album. No. Okay. Uh, they had, it all fell apart. Okay. I wanted to sign Penthouse Players. Okay. I want to sign the whole band, everything together. Right. But me and Player Ham, we just could never right. get on the same page, and because he had his vision, yeah, I had my vision. Yeah. Right. You know, sometimes I believe that, like for an example, if 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 I'm a DJ, and and I have a producer and I have a rapper, it's okay sometimes to give an input, but I'm not going to try to be the producer as well. Mm -hmm. And then try to be the rapper, you know. Right. You know, stay in your strength. And I think a lot of times, a lot of artists, well, we need to do it this way. We need to do it this way. We need to do it this way. And I'm right. like, okay, I'm the manager. I'm the one who has the vision. I got the connection. Let me do what I do best. And if you don't like it, then we can talk about it. Right. You know. But so the group, if you will, disintegrated or went their own ways. Well, they they still hung around. Uh huh. And uh, <clears throat> what happened? I convinced. Uh, AMG and Quick to do a record together. Okay. Oh, they just wanted to do a record together because, you know, at the time, Quick was, loved to produce. That's right. what he did. Right. Now, when you first heard his production... Uh, um, Blew my mind. That's what I wanted to ask you. Blew my mind. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, you yeah. Know, this guy's... Now, now, let me say something because uh, I said this when High C was here. Uh, he was here about two weeks ago. When... Uh, I was always a fan of Dr. Dre, okay? Right. You know, when the world-class wrecking crew, everybody was. Um, when he showed me how to make a beat at his apartment, it wasn't nothing like me watching him work in the studio. It was just amazing to me, the way he sampled, the way he, he used the drum machine, uh, the way he engineered, the sound that he got out of it. And one thing that I 
appreciated from him was that me, I considered myself a nobody hanging out in the studio where the NWA's recording, you know, their, their records. Right. And he asks me, Tony, hey, what do you think this needs? Now, the only thing that I had under my belt at the time was mixtapes. Right. And he had heard them and he had liked them. And I said, wow, I, said, I don't know, man. I said, uh, and I was a little intimidated because I felt Dr. Dre was freaking giant, you know. And I said, maybe some scratching like the way you did in Boys in the Hood and Dope Man. And he goes, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, I'm not saying I gave him the idea, but he asked me. Now, I said that because when I met Quick, I thought I was watching, if you will, another Dr. Dre. Like, and, but it was just so, so, he had his, just his own style. Right. He had his own style. And um, I just thought, I just thought he was freaking amazing. You know, I, I, I thought Quick, just like the way you said it. Now, when I interviewed you for my documentary, um, you said that you invested, I hope, I don't, if I'm wrong, correct me. You invested whatever you had into Quick or into managing these guys. Yeah, into managing these guys. And uh, what I did was I went to the streets and took out a loan from the streets. Okay. And I bought some equipment. Right. Bought, you know, this, uh, was that a smart move? Was that a smart move? At the time, probably the best move. It right? was the best move at the time, you know. Okay. Like I said, I was just trying to feel my way through this, right? Trying to make something happen, and you know, we, we went out and bought a six eighty eight Tascan, right? Eight uh, track uh, cassette recorder, right? Right. I you remember the, the black one. Yeah, the black one, and you know, I had turn. I had equipment. I had turntables, and he had his own SP twelve, <clears throat> and I had some other equipment or some other junk junk pieces of equipment right, I had bought. Right. You know? you know, and it's funny because by that time, I already had the, the SP-12. Mm -hmm. Dre had shown me some of the stuff on how to use it. Jinx had shown me some of the stuff. So I thought, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I go to your house, and I see Quick, you know. <laughs> yes. Blazing he, through. Yes. He brings right. up a snare, you know, and he puts them on an all pads, and he's like, -ta 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 -ta. and I was like, what the hell? He was playing it like a keyboard. Like, I, I was just blown away, dude. Right. And then I was like, okay, let me take a step back, you know, because I didn't want to get too cocky, you know, mm -hmm. but... uh. Yeah, I thought he was amazing on the drum machine, and then for him to be so generous, and he picked up his whole uh, 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 little case of floppy disks. Mm -hmm. Take it, Tony. Take whatever you want. And I really knew the guy, you know. And the crazy thing is, I copied every single one of them, and I still have them. Mm -hmm. I still have. I still have. Bitch, better have my money if you want it. Born and raised in Compton. Everything tonight on those floppy disks. You know, I ain't giving it to nobody. So, right. matter of fact, when I die, I want to get buried with them, brother. <laughs> so, so okay. Now, when did Second to None come into the picture? Um, once I, I I moved the, the studio from my living room up to, upstairs to my right. bedroom, uh, that's when Second to None, Second to None can start coming around. Uh, high C can't start coming around. What, what, what did you think of Second to None when you heard them? When I... Th I didn't know because they had no music. Okay, okay. I just like okay. I'm, I got this clay here. I'm gonna form it into something. The group. Right, right. You know they got potential. So you were the potter at the potter's wheel. Exactly. Okay, and so like I I, I did more than manage. Right. I actually. Okay, right, this is right. what you need to do to fix this. Right. This is what you need to do to make this sound right. You know? Right. Because the way you thought was. I need to see it on a video. How, how do I see it on a video? Can I hear this on on the record play? I mean, on the radio. Uh, can I hear see it see it in a, in a can I hear it in a club right. type of deal? So I I know what you mean because I've always thought that. 
Right. You know, I mean, a lot of people didn't know that when High Seas first started rapping on my mixtapes, the very first song that he rapped to was a uh, funky comedina. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we were trying to find his little niche. And then uh, we uh, he was rapping to house music. We have a tape where he was actually rapping to house <laughs> That's music. Funny. Yeah. And then we finally had him do like a little hip hop beat. Okay, we're going to keep him there. Right. But I was trying to find where to, you know, uh, 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 where his niche was, if you will. So when did you realize okay i got something great let me start shopping it i know as soon as i heard uh what song was it tonight as soon as i heard most of his stuff that he did solo right i said something special here you, you know high c would come over and uh, when i was working with him he was like you gotta listen to my boy uh, so i heard tonight for, for the first time but it was an instrumental mm -hmm. and then i heard bombard instrumental and I just thought he was so versatile. I was like, damn, that shit is, like, he's everywhere. This is dope. Right. It was really, really different. But I always wondered, how, how come you're not working with him? You know? Right. Like, how come you came to me, like, out of all people, you know? But you know what? I didn't turn him down. We continue to work. So Quick is working on his stuff, I guess. Uh, um, or you feel me in. AMG's working on his stuff. Uh, how did that come about? Well, now you have three albums and you're going to, you know. Well, what happened was... Once I started working with Quick, uh, I they all they all came together and start working out of my house. They all came right. together and start working out of my house. And at the time, you know, I wasn't rich. I wasn't balling out of control. I wasn't right. street hustling, nothing like that. So I just tried to make something happen the best way I could with what what resources I had. So I took uh, Quick to Profile Records. Uh -huh. Now, at that time, did you know people already in there, or we no? Uh, I, I total track to help me get in, into the no. I take that back. Yeah, no total track and uh, Danny Foot James from Impact Record Pool because I was I was in the record pool. Right. And I went to him with the records and he was like, "Oh, let me call my guy over here. Let me call my guy over here." And the first the, the first person we took it to actually we took it to uh, Roofless and they were like to Brian Turner. He was like, "Ah, we got the original. Why do we want the copycat?" You know, it's weird that you said that because. When we took High C to Ruthless, Steve did. Mm -hmm. You know, he just he took just took a mixtape and he said, "What do you guys think?" And I remember Dre said this, and even Donovan, uh, uh, the, the engineer, said mm -hmm. almost the exact same thing. If we got the original, why do we want to copy? They said the same thing about High C. Right. You know, and he said, "Well, yeah, I think he's a little bit different, different style or whatnot." But they turned it down, and then that's when I guess our tape landed in the executive's office out in Disney. So, uh, you took it to Ruthless, they turned it down, and then mm -hmm. what was your next move after that? The next move, we took it to um, Profile. Profile. Yeah, and that's on, pretty much... Pre, you know, Profile opened up an office up on Sunset, West Coast office, and uh, the A&R guy was named Dave Moss. Dave Moss. Yes, Dave. He was also at, at Atlantic Big Beat. Well, he, he went from Profile to Atlantic Big Beat. You know, right. Because, you know, they're all those guys in New York kind of meshed together. Yeah and flop from one label to another okay and so now he gets signed you knew it was only a matter of time before that record took off oh man i soon as soon as it hit the airways i know born and raised in compton i yeah, remember born and raised. now how soon after that was amg or second to none signed like like can you name a quick sign first who was signed second who was signed third uh quick was signed first amg signed second we tried it we tried to run it AMG through Profile. We couldn't get Profile to bite on it. We went to um, 
Select Select Records, hmm. which was you know Kid and Play's label and stuff. Uh-huh. Okay, and, you know uh, Chub Rock. Chub Rock. Good old Chub Rock. Yeah, and um, and then uh, Second to None. They ended the second up. To none. Well, well, what happened was we had always been working uh, trying to put an album together for Second to None. Actually, the first video we ever sh- ever shot was for Second to None. It was uh, really. What happened, I, I knew Brian, this guy named Brian Bellamy, which was partners with uh, John Singleton. They, they went to USC together. Okay. He came to me, hey, hey, let me shoot your video, rap video. It's not going to cost you nothing. That video ended up costing me seven grand oh, wow. back, back in the day. And it was just a... Do you still have it? It's up, it's up in the universe somewhere. It's up oh, online. It's, it's in called, the cloud? It's in the cloud. It's wow. called What Goes Up. Oh yeah, I, I, I see that, that was video. the first. That was the first. The first second. Yeah, I remember. They had some turntables and some trash cans. They were yeah, they, right there. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, I think was, they were in the the, the sewers or was that? No, the that was that was the, the, their their first uh, actually uh, release from uh, profile was uh, be be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. And there was no wow. in the sewers, but uh, what goes up video was like uh, wow. uh, it wasn't that great, you know. Now because. Well, people that may not know, Quick ended up going gold. Mm-hmm. Angie no, ended up going gold. No, Quick ended up going platinum. The first album went platinum. Right, well, but but I'm I'm saying the first step is five hundred thousand, yeah. which is gold. Because right. I remember in the, I forgot what magazine it was. He had a hat and it said gold on it. Right, I, I remember that. So before he actually hit platinum, which is a million records, right. we're not talking about a million streams. We're talking about a million records where people actually sold cassettes, CDs, right. vinyl, etc. When when a million really meant something. Exactly. Yeah. Today people get a million views and think it's the same thing. Right. You know. So he goes gold. Who's next after that? Uh, AMG. AMG. Now was it a single? Or was it his album? It was his album. We dropped. Uh, we dropped Jacob Pie was the first single for AMG. Really? Yeah. I don't know why I always thought it was Bitch Better Have was My it, Money. Was it Bitch Better Have My Money? I think it was Bitch Better Have My Money. I, I, I forget the sequence. but Because it, when we went to the Gavin uh, yeah. in San Francisco. Well, the Gavin was crazy. Yeah, that's when we took, uh, well, he, he had the single, the Black uh, single. Right. But, um, yeah, that was a dope album. Uh, um, Vertical Jewelry Ride, I still think should have been a single, you know, but. Well, I, you know, those labels back in the day was, they were, they were, Two singles out, and they're done with your album. Yeah. You know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's funny because Hollywood Records wanted to drop four singles on it. We, we dropped three. Mm-hmm. They wanted to drop Froggy Style, but um, High C kept threatening them. I'm going to go to Atlantic. I'm going to go to Atlantic or whatever. So they just kind of pulled, stopped working on that album, and then they wanted to start working on the second one. But uh, um, so Second to None now. Because uh, mm-hmm. um, all of our albums, a lot of people may not know, dropped the same year, uh, uh, 1991. Right. All of our records, same year. I actually have them right mm-hmm. here. Um, and to me, that was a special year because, I mean, we we did a lot of shows together. You know, our, our songs were on the airwaves at the same time. Right. You know, but I'll tell you what. Okay, this is just me confessing something to you as a fan of not only do I consider these guys friends, but also, I'm a fan of their music, okay? Right. When I seen NWA perform at the Anaheim Celebrity Theater, I want to say it was 88. Steve Yano took us. We were backstage. And uh, that's w- when when the stage would turn around. and uh, The rotating stage. Yes, the rotating stage. And the artists had to run through the crowd. 
I saw the DLC performed there. I saw King T with Mixed Master Spade. Aladdin was on the turntables. Turntables. DJ Pooh was on the drum. It was a classic night. They filmed a video for Act of Fool. And uh, uh, Ice-T was pushing his album Power. He was the headliner. NWA went on before. And when NWA went up there and rocked that damn stage, man, put it this way, man. I, I got, got goosebumps because I had never seen a show like that. When you got an entire crowd yelling, we want easy, you know, mm -hmm. I was yelling, we want easy, you know, and I was back to, backstage with him, right. you know, but as a matter of fact, first night I, I ever met Jeremy Heller as well, you know, and, um, but I didn't feel that way until we started doing shows again with, well, with, um, AMG, second tenor, DJ Quick, High C. Right. Second tenor will go out there, or High C will go out there, second tenor, AMG, then Quick will go on last. When I would see the reaction of the crowd early on in those days, man, it I thought that was right up there with those NWA performances, you know. And I'll be honest with you, I still yearn to see some of those shows again. I just don't see them anymore. Well, we took pride in we, we did we took pride in our presentation, right? You know, we had uh, we, we took time in putting the actual sequence together. Yes, you know, even though we had a DJ or somebody would DJ. Right. We had the song sequence, the show sequence. Right, right. And I think that's the best way to go instead of like uh, you on stage, oh, go to track six, oh, go to track five. Uh, and that's what usually happens today. Right. Well, today okay. they're even rapping on top of the record, like the vocals, like, yeah, really? that's garbage. Yes, exactly. So now uh, you move on from DJ Quick, Second to None, AMG, if you will, and uh, uh, you end up opening up a record label. Right. Outburst Records. Well, this is what happened. After the success of the first record, we start working on Quick Circuit, second record. Okay. In the process of going to the second and none second record and AMG second record, they decide they want to go to Death Row. They want to be down with Death Row. And I, okay, I, say that a little bit louder. I need my fans to hear that. <laughs> In the process of working on second, uh, second and none second album, we already had finished Quick's second album, but they decided they wanted to go to Death Row. Who, who's they? Second and nine. Okay. And then it's, you know, if D wanted to go, you want to be down with Death Row, the whole thing. And I'm like, you guys got your own lane. Right. You can, why, why, why gonna go, why go over there? Create your own. Right. Okay. They got caught up in the hoopla and the hype of, you know, the way Death Row was moving, doing big things. Right. Right. So, they ended up dragging Quick over there with him. Okay. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Right. Because if I'm correct, you're managing these guys. Yeah, I'm managing them. Okay. Yeah. And how is that that they just leave? Well, How does that work? Here's a, how, how it works is the manager, you actually work for the artist. Right. So the artist actually can like fire you at any time. Okay. You know, if they do the right procedure. Okay. You know? Uh, second and none uh, was actually signed to one of my little, little labels, production. They were signed to my production company, so they want to go to Death Row. So they, of course, they sent Sugar over to negotiate a release. They, they sent Sugar Sugar over where? Over to my house. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so was, you and Sugar have a meeting? Yeah, we had a couple of meetings in. You know, we never really came to terms, but you know, I was like, I always subscribe to the thing. If you don't want to work with me, I don't want to work with you. I'm not going to, you know, 
Okay. Try to hold on, kicking and screaming, oh, don't leave me, don't right, leave right. me. That's not my style. Okay. You know. So they go to death row. I know that if I'm correct, I know they got on an album, uh, well, a soundtrack, Above the Rim. Right. Anything else drop out of that, uh, the death row? Nothing but drama. Yeah, yeah and and that's really from everybody. Everybody that was a death row eventually ends up saying that nothing but drama. Mm -hmm. You know, it's weird because whenever I hear death row stories, and I ask other artists that were once there, they always get real serious, man, and they say, "Yeah, it was true," like real <laughs> freaking serious. You know, uh, I asked this very very well known multi platinum artist. I won't mention his name, but he is in my documentary. Okay, you guys figure it out. And I asked him, he was he was all smiles when I interviewed him. Mm -hmm. And then I said, hey, man, so were those stories over there at Death Row real, like true? And his smile went down and he put a frown on his face and he was like, yeah, man, you know what? I, I was just trying to get out, man. I, I was just trying to get out. I, I don't even like even thinking or talking <laughs> about that. Like if it was freaking the Blair Witch Project, like they were in the woods and the devil appeared. That's how they sound. Right. You know, like they had a bad, such a bad experience. Right. Like guys that were there, I don't know. Nobody ever talks about it like if it was fun. It was almost like if it was a nightmare. Right. Well, here's my thing. What artists got to realize is you're, you're, you're only as good as the team that got you there. If you stick with your team that right. got you there, you have more success. Right. You know, just like anything else you do in your life lifetime with, with other people, you're going to have your ups and downs. Right. You just got to ride the ups and downs. Right. Because, you know, you're going to have more ups than downs, you know. Right. So... I, if I'm an artist, I, I would stick with the stick with the people that got me there. Okay, I, I'm I'm just like Will Smith. He basically has almost the same people that was there when he did yeah. the Fresh Prince. Yeah, it, 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 if you will, if it ain't broke, right? You know, it, well, why fix it? Or right. if I'm correct, well, that's just that that greed kicks in. Yeah, and that self-centered me 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 me. Yeah, look at me. It's all about me. And, and believe me, I've dealt with a lot of me me's. Mm -hmm. You know, the sad thing is that I think uh, I'm thankful that I've always re remained a humble and a modest person because uh, it, it paid off in the end. You know, we still have our relationship. I've never burned any bridges. No. There's nobody in this industry right now. And I'm saying this loud and clear that can actually say Tony A is a fucking asshole. <laughs> Honestly, there's nobody out there that can say that. There's nobody out there that can say, I don't like that dude. That guy burned me. That guy did me wrong. Nobody, because I never burn my bridges. Right. You know, I was telling somebody earlier today, you know, when you, when you come at somebody direct, you know, it keeps them from coming at you sideways. Right. I don't play around with, you know, with certain people. You know, right. if you don't want to work with me, that's cool. You could bounce. Don't play games. Don't right. go around talking about me because when I find out, I am going to confront your ass. Right. You know, and it probably won't be pretty. So, but uh, uh, I'm thankful that, like I said, we stayed in contact and that, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm friends with everybody. So you, if, if I'm correct, after that, Outburst Records right. comes to fruition. Well, what happened, I, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? You know, all my groups didn't left me, you know. So right. Like I, like, and then I, I came to realize, what I, I start thinking like, they didn't create me, I created them. So I, I, I did it once, I could do it again. Right. Uh, I reached out, I don't know how Battle Cat ended up over my house. Mm-hmm. Battle Cat said, man, I got this dope guy, man. I got this dope guy. Ooh. Make sure you say it louder because I want Battle Cat to hear it because he'll be here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Battle Cat came over with this guy. He said, man, I got this dope guy. He goes by the name of Genuine Draft. He's on the Bloods and Crips album. Wait, wait, what? 
Genuine giraffe? Genuine giraffe. Like like the Miller genuine like giraffe? Like the okay. <laughs> giraffe. All right, go for it. And uh, he ended up bringing Domino over. Okay. I didn't know. I just knew genuine, genuine giraffe. And Domino goes like, well, I'm going to change my name. Let's do a record. Let's do an album. And I had I had partnered up with this guy named Anti. Okay. You know. And uh, Domino came in. He jumped in the car. We riding. And then he did. Uh, I said, "Well, what do you got? What you got? Let me hear right. what you something you got." He just busted out a freestyle right there, and it was it was ghetto jam. And I was like, "Oh my God, this is something new. This is something special." Yes, yes. You know, I always called him like the rapping Al Green. <laughs> like, that's what I called him. But, but when I heard that song, that that shit right. was dope. I always thought the video could have been done a little bit better. Well. But the, but, the reason the video was like that because we didn't have the money at the go. time, you know. We had the money, a, a blue filter all the way through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, but that song was amazing. That now that album ended up going what two double? Uh, that went gold. It went gold. It went gold. Okay. Almost platinum. Okay. But, you know. Now once again, gold five hundred thousand. Right. Today they lowered. They lowered gold, if I'm correct. Yeah, they lowered. You know? They lowered the whole. They devalued the whole music business. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know? So he signed to Outburst Records. He signed to Outburst Records. It, you bounced back. Yeah, I bounced back, and yeah, I had um, Moke and Steph. Yeah, Moke and Steph. Uh, BG uh, Knockout and Dreister. BG Knockout and Dreister. Now Moke and Steph, if I'm correct, uh, his mind was the single, correct? Yeah, his mind was the single. And that went gold. That went platinum. Wow. Well, so one million. Yeah. Wow. That was awesome. Because I know they also did a, a remix to that with, was it Pooba or Grand, was Grand Pooba, yeah. With Grand Pooba. That was dope too. Yeah. That was, that, that, I liked it. I actually liked the remix a little bit better. Uh huh. You know, we went to New York, shot the remix, shot the video, did the remix in New York. That was a cool experience. You know. Wow. I had my best, I, I hate to say I had my best musical experiences dealing with executives in New York. These LA, these LA executives were like full of shit. Yeah, she is nip. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so now you got a, did you ever collect any plaques from the Tone Loc album? No. None. No. How, how many millions did that album sell? I have no clue. I, I, I was just so pissed at him. Of course. Know, pissed of course. at them like, man, forget this. Let me move on. Of course. You know. So you have a, a platinum from Quick's first one. Mm -hmm. Gold, AMG, Gold second to gold none. second and none. Platinum single for, from uh, Mocha Stealth. Gold uh, gold domino gold gold domino album. Gold domino single. Wow! So now you got all of these plaques on your wall, okay? And it really, it all started with my gut feeling. Now I'm gonna invest in quick, and then from there, it all just pretty much just bloomed. Right. You know, uh, I've always said this, and I'm saying this from about my album. Mm -hmm. I do believe that our album should have went gold. I truly do believe that. But when you have a bunch of college kids working at Hollywood Records that don't know jack shit right. about the business, we actually had to tell them uh, what singles to put out. Mm -hmm. You know, they put out a maxi single, then they realized they messed up, but they sold 100,000 of those. So we should put out a single puppet, not a maxi single, because the maxi single had four songs. So then they put out uh, uh, the single, I'm Not Your Puppet. Then they, they, we get the Hughes Brothers to do our second uh, um video for leave my crows alone then they realized we shouldn't have done that so they took it off the market we should do sit in the park that's a follow to i'm not your puppet okay right. now we're going to re-release uh, uh as a single leave my crows alone like they were experimenting with our shit. <laughs> use lab lab experiment huh? that's pretty much what it was but um listen uh we didn't get into the red tape and um uh, people have hitting me up so we're going to touch on that when we get back we're going to take a 10 minute commercial break 
We're going to finish up this dope uh, um, interview. I'm having a great time conversating with my friend. And uh, we're going to get into the red tape and what is Greedy Greg doing now, what he's going to be doing in the future. So uh, once again, stay tuned because we're going to play two unreleased songs. Once again, the the, um, the quality is kind of cruddy because we had to transfer them from cassette that's probably about 30 years old. But much love, much respect to my boy Roger Mera, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Roger Live. He's the one that transferred them for me. So if they sound cruddy, blame him. Don't blame me. But um, <laughs> anyway, we'll be back. John, take us away. Thank you very much. <laughs> Once again, thank you everybody for uh, tuning in and uh, I appreciate all the comments. Honestly, there's people that, that comment and they talk shit, but it's all good. You can leave a positive, negative comment. Honestly, I really don't give a damn. If it entertains you and that's what turns you on and floats your boat, go for it. Okay, it's all good. Uh, once again, we're back here with my boy, Greedy Greg. Uh, thank you for coming through. Uh, I wanna jump right into it because this is our last 30 minutes. Now, um, I want to talk about something because I don't know if it, I don't want to use the word affected you, but uh, what was going on around during the time that uh, the beef between MC8 and DJ Quick started? I know it started, if I'm correct, off that red tape, uh, um, the song called Real Dope that we played earlier. Right. Uh, and I think he, all he said was like, uh, I'm up in the tree for CMW to see. <laughs> yeah, that that sparked a whole lot. That's, that said it off. Yeah, that's, that's what said it off. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was the backlash or what was the story you were hearing in the street? MCA is going to come after him or, you know, what? what? Uh, I, some of the stories, some of the rumors. What was some of that? Those was just rumors and stories. Really? Yeah. You know, it was, it was just friendly competition because uh-huh. they were from different sides of the track. You know, right. MCA was a, a crib and quick as a blood, alleg- right. allegedly, you know. Of course. You know, so... That was that was just neighborhoods. Do, do, do you know? Uh, uh, I mean, and again, I know, but I'm asking for the, for the uh, for the public, mm-hmm. from a fan's perspective. Uh, uh, do you know why he did he did that on that song, Real Dope? Other than just just a neighborhood shit, just some neighborhood shit. Okay, neighborhood. and I, it, it pretty much it just it just took off from there. It just took a stab at him, you know. Okay, you know, it's, just, it's a rap thing, rap beef. You right, know? right. So now that tape. I mean, that song was on this tape that everybody refers to as the red tape. The red tape was, uh, we had a bunch of records that we had put together. And it was pretty much a demo, all a bunch of demo songs uh-huh. we put together. And we was just, at the time, we was just trying to hustle, trying to make a few dollars dollars out of uh, yeah, demos. what we had of demos, you know. Now, if you couldn't remember the, the about- The red tape actually came out before actually quick. Got his deal. We had created that before he got his deal because okay. we were just trying to generate some, you know, little fun, some, uh, some fried chicken money. All right? right, exactly. Or, 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 or from uh, Wings and Things. Remember from around uh, the corner? Yeah, Wings and Things. Yeah. Um, but now, let me ask you this. About how many of those tapes do you think went out? Maybe about 500. About 500. Because we kept re-upping, 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 you know, back then we had the, the copy machines. Of course. And, you know. Of course. Uh, now, real dope was on that. Was there anything else on that tape that was like gang banging nature? Not really, because we we were mostly uh, all our music was really based party songs, right? Having a good time, right? You know, about how many songs do you think were on that red tape? If you can remember, at the most, at the least, total songs about ten, maybe ten songs. Okay, about ten songs. And yeah. who was on all those songs? Quick second, AMG. 
Crawford, high C, I mean. Okay, okay, yeah. high C was on. So four of those guys. Mm -hmm. Now, around when do you think that dropped on the streets? What year? About 80, I would say 89, 90. Okay. It was before Quick's first album came before out. Before Quick's first album demo. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because the first time that I heard that song real dope, it was upstairs in your room when you guys had that 8-track, the 88, I mean, uh, the, the black... Uh, 688. 688. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were still using that Tascam Porta 1-4-track. Right. You know, when I saw that, I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know? And I saw how, he, how dope he was, you know, working mm -hmm. it. And Steve asked him, you know, or asked you as well, can we put one of those songs on the mixtape? He gave us an AMG song, and he also gave us uh, a quick song, which was real dope. And that kind of even sparked it a little bit more, right. if you will. Uh, because I think we dropped that cassette in 1990, if I'm correct. Because that was before our albums actually uh, went, uh, went out in 1991. Now, uh, the reason why, now let me tell you the stories that went out there. And maybe you could tell me some of the stories that you heard. Uh, uh, because... That tape was actually done in your, in your at your house. Right. Okay. Everybody thinks that has heard about the red tape that it was just a straight banging on wax <laughs> cassette. Like they were just claiming blood this, F that, F her, F him. This is blood. This is content. Like that's really what people have told me. Now, I heard it and I've known the songs, but I didn't hear that. You, you know, know, you know why it was called the red tape? Why is that? Because the tapes we bought was red. They were from a company, Tascam. Okay. Tascam had, they were the highest quality tapes and they were right. all red. Okay. That's, that's the red tape. That's where we got the red tape from. Well, I'm glad we're, we're clearing it up because, mm -hmm. because I, I met this guy not too long ago and he told me, man, how can I get my hands on a, on an actual red tape? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, if you buy my Rodeo mixtape, I said, that song Real Dope is on there. That's the only song that was really dissing MC8. Right. And he was like, no, man, I heard there's got to be more. I, I heard they're like claiming blood and Compton. And, uh, like, I heard there's like a straight gangbanging shit on there. And I was like. I'm going to tell you this incredible thing. Incredible. This was incredible. We, we was out on tour. And I was in, I think I was in Kansas, Topeka Canyon, Kansas. We had, we, first time we went out, we went out in a motorhome. Okay. Say a little bit louder because I need them to hear this. We went out in a motorhome, about a 39, 40 foot motorhome. So. One morning, I, I jumped in the motorhome, pull up to the gas station, gassing up the motorhome. This little kid rolls up, rolls up to me, and he says, "I know you. You guys are from the Treetop Pie Rules out there in Compton." Damn, like that. Like, like, I was like, "Wow, this little kid don't." Right, stuff right. Like that. I was like, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, we're just really spreading. Yes. The, the gang yes. culture, un unknowingly. Unknowingly, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and and I think like what that kid said. That was that was their thoughts about that red tape. They think that that's what it all was, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm not here trying to discredit anything, but I just think that that tape grew so much stories out oh. of it. And it, when I try to tell this guy this, he was like, "Are you sure you know?" And I was like, <laughs> I, "They're all my friends, dude. I know." You know? Right. So, anyways, but I'm glad we we, we cleared that up. Uh, uh, not, like you said, you guys were just trying to make some chicken money, right? You know. Uh, now. The MCA DJ Quick thing, and I know for a little while there was a beef between Quick and even Everlast, because I think he did a song on uh, um, Minutes of Society yeah. soundtrack, mm -hmm. and he dissed Everlast. How, how did that happen? How did he take a stab at Everlast? I never knew. No. Why or how? You know, yeah. I, I had heard. Now I never actually heard the song. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it came out before Quick's diss 
or after Quick's this, where Everlast said in a song where he said, you make me sick like strawberry quick. <laughs> so I think he took that as a personal diss. Mm -hmm. And that's when he came out and, you know, he did his diss on Minister of Society. I, I remember the song, but I couldn't I couldn't quote any lyrics from that that, that, that song. Okay. But on, on the Minister of Society uh, soundtrack. Hmm. And that, that was like, we, we needed a song, we needed something fast, and that's right. what we came up with. Right. I remember that. That shit was pretty hilarious, too. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, to, to move up a little bit ahead, I think I started coming back around 2005, 2006. That's when I was DJing for quick for like right. that whole year. And they were working on the Fixers album. If I'm correct, he had just got out of jail. Right. AMG was pretty much knocking out the tracks. Right. You know. That's when he did uh, Can You Work With That. Right. I remember being at your house. We were, there was a little party, and they had just got signed. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, to a multi-million dollar deal with Sony Records. We were celebrating something at your house. Oh, we just had probably probably the deal we had got with the Interscope with the single. Okay, single deal. It wasn't a multi-million dollar deal. Okay. It, now, it was, was that a big deal? or, or uh, um, Well, it was a big deal because, you know, it, was, it had been years between quick getting the, you know, quick or, or any of them have any kind of success any deals right you right. know uh quick had you know just came from jail he had you know left the death row alone um and i think he had a he had a deal over at he had a big deal at warner brothers which he was the vp of a and r for a minute okay i i, I wasn't involved in any of that i don't know what happened to that situation, uh -huh. but I wasn't involved in any of that, so I can't speak on it. Because that was during a time that uh, there was another guy involved named HUD. Uh huh. Okay, and he, uh, if I'm correct, was even co-managing with you. Yeah, I, that's a big mistake. Yes, yes, I, I know. I was there, and I knew some of the stories that were going on and what was going on, and um, you know. But so the Fixers album, you guys record a song with. Um, Frankie J, if I'm correct, because I was there mm -hmm. that day. Right. Um, what, what was some of the other artists that were on that? Because the album never came out. Uh, what was this guy named? I can't think of his name. He had the record. I can't even think of his record. Okay, okay. But was there was a, quite a, a couple of guys on there, right? A couple of guys on there. Frankie J was on there. Frankie J came over and recorded. Uh, young dude, I can't think of his name. He had a big record. No, I may be wrong. Jim Jones, Rick Ross, was it any of those uh, guys? They weren't. They didn't make the album, but they came through. Rick Ross, Jim Jones. Okay. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Young Jock. Okay. They didn't make that particular album, but they came through. I was working on the process. Because uh, um, I want to get into your studio and why I believe that there should be a documentary done about your studio, <laughs> your house in general. And I told you I wanted to do it, so we'll get into that right now. <laughs> But uh, okay, so why didn't the Fixers album ever come into fruition? Why didn't it? Why wasn't it ever released? Because the personality, personalities exploded before we were able to complete the album. Can you give me an example? Can you elaborate a little bit of what you mean by that? The personalities exploded before we were able to to, to finish the project. You know? Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? <laughs> okay. Well, I would tell you basically, really, HUD blew that deal up. I, I that's that was one of the stories, but. Mm -hmm. I guess it's confirmed. Uh, you know, we were at uh, Skip Sailors recording, and him and Quick got into one of their uh -huh. infamous spats, and it just went 
south from there. Yeah, I, I knew eventually it was going to go that route because, you know, you you, you can't punk people, yep. you know, exactly, and think it's never going to catch up or it's good, something good is going to come out of it. Right. You know. Now, 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 really quick, because uh, I, I want to talk this. I want to talk about your your pad. Uh, I believe that. Uh, that is your studio, your home is a part of West Coast hip hop history because uh, number one, when if people were to ask me, okay, uh, what do you see Dr. Dre? I'll see him as, as a 10, if you will, if it's on a scale mm -hmm. of one to 10 as far as production is concerned. Right. If people would ask me that about quick, I'd probably say either he's right there or right under him. Right. To me, those are my best rap hip hop producers. Okay. Right. Them two. One of them was yours. Okay. He recorded there. He did right. demos there. Right. You have gold and platinum albums that came out of your home. Right. Uh, uh, Quick, Second to None, AMG, uh, uh, Moke and Steph, uh, Domino. And a, how many countless artists have gone through your home and recorded there? We just named some. Rick Ross, Jim Jones. Uh, above the Law. Above the Law. Uh, I know there's a lot of them, so, you know. Recently, I had uh, Easy has been to your home. Easy, yeah, Easy used to come to there frequently. Easy, Easy, everybody. Trying to romance quick away from me. Yeah, I believe it, and and that's that, that's that's even for another show right there. Because <laughs> one thing that minute managers go through is that you are always, I don't want to use the word worried, but always worried that somebody may try to steal them from you. Right, and that happens. It's part of the game. Yeah, it's happened. You know, gritty gray. He ain't shit. He ain't doing this. He ain't right. doing that. He like. Do do you actually believe him? And that's what they hear. Right. You know, and sometimes rappers b tend to believe that bull crap, you know. But so, uh, um, and I know Puffy, tell us a story about Puffy, Puff Daddy, how he did come to your house, if I'm P correct. Puff came, Puff came to my house when, uh, before he did, uh, before he got his label. Yeah. He came with, let me see, Leor Cohen been to my house. He, he used to frequent there. Uh, Craig Kalman from Atlantic, President Atlantic. Uh, okay. A lot of a lot of people come through there, lots, mm. lots. Now I have told you that I believe that we should do a documentary on there uh, because I believe there's a lot of history there, a lot of uh, West Coast hip hop history. Just like I believe that Steve Yano's Rodium Stand was a cornerstone to West Coast hip hop history, right. I believe your home is a cornerstone as well mm -hmm. to West Coast hip hop history. History, the way people consider audio achievements, you know, right. were drained and recorded. Uh, a, a cornerstone, you know, so I do believe that it should be documented. The only thing I ever, ever wanted from you was pictures and footage. And I know you told me somebody took your videotapes and your pictures are gone. Yeah. So that kind of leaves me with nothing, Greg. So either we got to get in contact with these people and take pictures with them or something, or they got to, they got to tell the story. But I do believe that your home can actually be considered a historical landmark. You could open that up and let people know Easy E was here, Puppy was here, Rick Ross, Quick, whatever. People would exhibit, just pay. Exhibit. Um, Who's that? Exhibit. Exhibit. Okay. Um, like I said, above the lock. I, I, I right. don't know. They were there for like about about a year. Yeah, yeah, and so many, so many people have gone through there. Who would not want to go there and record? Right. You know. So, I, I still believe that we should document that. <laughs> so, but um, okay. So now, what is Greedy Greg doing today? Uh, don't just say watching football either. Okay. Watching football. Watching watching the Cowboys lose. Explode. Okay, there you go. Do you want to go okay. there? I'm not just put. I'm gonna put it right in the middle. <laughs> okay. Now I'm working on a couple of movie projects right now. Yeah. yeah. Now, I know that um, last time we talked, you told me about a script, a movie script. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, do you want to tell the public something about that? Not at this time. Okay. Okay. Do you want to tell them who's it about or just not at this time? Not at this time. Okay. But there will be a movie coming out. There will be a movie coming out. Okay. And it's about at least a, a, a West Coast figure. A West Coast figure and a little bit have something to do with my my house. Okay. A little bit of your house. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, um, um, has to do something with you. A little bit something. Okay. And they better get Denzel Washington to play you. Okay. Okay. So Yo, thank you. Thank you, Tony. Yes, yes. Denzel, so, if you're out there look, watching, it's a part for you. Hit your boy. Get you out Hit of your him. boy. It's a part out here for you. Exactly. So, okay. So we're look. We're going to be looking out for that eventually. Ho hopefully when you guys start filming or whatnot, you can come back and let us know. And oh, yeah. Promote well, definitely. it. Definitely. Let people know. Now, are you still DJing at all? Do you still dabble? No, I can't. <laughs> a couple of years ago, somebody wanted me to do their wedding, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. I know. I walked up to the turntables, and I was literally shaking like, oh, my God, I can't do it. Yeah. Okay. What about producing? Uh, I dabble. In, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll walk in into, into your session and tell you what you need to do to correct it or try okay. to... Almost like you produce a producer. Yeah. Is that safe to say that? That's safe to say that. Uh, what about record collection? Do you still uh, collect vinyl? No, I gave up on that years ago. Yeah, I, me too. I, and I'm sick that I did. Cause, but now it's not really anything I want to collect. I know. I know. <laughs> this music, the selection that's out now is so Okay, I did this heartbreaking. To, my, to my guest last week. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. And I want you to name me one of your favorite songs that came out within the last year. Ah, you can you can ring the buzzer now because I can I can tell you because the, the music now it, 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 to me I call it mindless music. Mindless music. You know, Define that. Define it because it, it doesn't do nothing to your mind. I know. It doesn't. It doesn't. Back when we grew up, when we started, like. The rap music, especially, or you know, it left you with something. It left you an impression. You know, you hear that song again today. You can you can almost tell like the first time I heard yes, that. Yes, yes. You know, now this stuff is like it just goes in one ear and goes out the other. You forgot about it before it stopped it's playing. It's true. Uh, uh, you could be the end thing. Like remember, for a while it was that song by uh, Drake, which uh, I don't play your stuff. Well, Kiki. You know? Yes. Where's that at now? You know what I'm saying? It was the flavor of the month. Right. You know? And everybody was, was dick writing that song. And, but uh, I just didn't understand it. And, and I, you know, I don't mean to this, this generation, mm -hmm. but understand that we love hip hop. We right. love rap. We just don't see this music today as. No. And, and, and you know, here's how they blame it. They blame it two ways. You're too old or you're just a hater. Right. We live in a generation where that's what we're labeled if we don't agree with them. Right. You know, uh, we also live in a generation where truth is the new hate speech. You can't tell them the truth anymore. No. You know, they get pissed off and, you know, first thing they want to do is go on social media and put you on blast. Right. You know, so, you know, and let's talk about East Coast, West Coast. East Coast used to have their sound. West Coast had their sound. Today, in my opinion, oh, and, and the South had their sound. Okay. Right. To me, it all sounds the same across the board now. <laughs> Everything sounds the same. I watched uh, the Hip Hop Wars last night. Tell us I, about it. And it was horrible. I was horrified. I was heartbroken. Why? Why? Tell us why. Because I didn't understand none of the artists, what they were saying, 
the, the cadence was off. Right, right. It, it happened with no rhythm. Now, what was the deal with the midget? All, all the beats was at the opening act. I, I think it was the baby and uh, one of the, the amigos. I, uh, the one would start with the cue. I don't even know their names. Okay. They, they were performing, and next thing you know, they bought a midget on. She started twerking. She started spinning on her head. A midget was twerking. Yeah. Is that possible? <laughs> okay. Okay. And then they, uh, uh, a young lady comes on in a wheelchair, electric wheelchair, and starts. Oh, I was like, Was she the? hitting switches or something? She was hit, like hitting switches. Like I was like, okay, this is the circus. We're not watching hip hop. We're watching the circus. Wow. See, and us saying that, I, be, I guarantee you somebody probably after got pissed off because we said that. Right. They probably enjoyed it. You yeah, know, I'll probably get smashed on social media. It's okay. Leave a negative or positive comment. It's right. all good. I don't give a shit. They're going to do it anyways. Right. But anyways, uh, now, th this is the hard one. What, what, what do you see the current state of hip-hop today, man? I know you just touched on it, but is it going to get any better, Greg? It's heartbreaking right now. See, you took a deep breath just like I did. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because this is not what we laid the foundation for. This garbage that we, we're listening to now, that's, it doesn't... Right, it, I know. I, you, everybody you, sounds the same. You can't tell one artist from another. I know. Yeah. And, and the sad thing is many of them mumble on purpose. Yeah. You know, many of them mumble on purpose. And today, even video shoots. Uh, there was a time where video shoots had creativity. Today, they're shooting video shoots on cell phones, you know. A bunch of guys talk about, you know, trust no man, but they got about 50 dudes behind them, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, with a red cup, drinking liquor, smoking weed, blowing smoke at the camera. That, you know, oh, and a girl, you know, shaking her saggy ass, right. you know, behind them. And and that, that video today, you know. Uh, I really wanted to get into directing videos, but that's pretty much all what guys want today. You know, we got to get girls to make their ass clap. You know, <laughs> everybody's in the same thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, and you never some of that twerk air might might fog up the room. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, so now back to this. What, what is Gritty Greg doing today? So you're working on some some movies. Yeah, I'm working on one of the projects is country and western Christmas movie. Really? Yeah. So you're going to play Woody? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not even in it. I'm just a producer. That's good, man. That's good. You know, because if I can do, like I said, I want to do a damn horror movie. Nobody believes me, but I really do. I was raised on horror movies, mm -hmm. you know, but I want to do it in the hood in the hood with blacks and Mexicans. You know, all the movies that we see are all done with white people. You right. know, uh, I know what you did last summer, Scream, uh, The Exorcist, all done in white suburbia. None of them made in the hood. And even that movie, uh, 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 what was it? Uh, Tales from the Hood had a gang of white people in it. I want right. to see some brothers and some Latinos right. uh, done in the 80s. You know, with mm -hmm. a vampire and shit or something like that. Right. You know, so that's what I, that that's my goal. Mm -hmm. Then that's when I can retire and say, okay, cool. I did what I wanted to do. You know, I'm, I'm doing what I love. And this is pretty much what, I, what I'm getting a kick out of. You know. Oh, good deal. Good deal. So, okay. So now we're going to change it up real quick. Uh, um, I'm going to ask you about the documentary because you were on the Rolling Mixtape documentary and we were paying homage. <clears throat> To a good friend of ours named Steve Yano. You were there actually at the Swamp Meet when we filmed that I'm Not Your Puppet video. Right. Um, how important or or do you see it as important that his story, uh, um, I'm trying to present the questions for you to understand it. Do you believe it was important for his story to be documented? Yes. It, it, one, one problem I see now is this generation don't give a damn about history. 
Yeah, you're right. They don't give a damn about history. You know? Yeah, you're right. They don't, they don't give a damn about Motown. They don't give a damn about West Coast hip hop, the legends. They don't give a damn about legends. But you got to study the greats to be great. Uh, absolutely. You know, and they, and they don't do that. No, they don't. They do. They dis dis the greats. Yeah. Oh, he's whack. He's not saying nothing. Yeah, he was boring. He was boring. Yeah, he was boring. I was like, no. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You know. Uh, uh, when I was doing this documentary about uh, what inspired me to do this was not only Steve and Susan understand mm -hmm. at the swamp meet uh, um, was that my son asked me, why are you doing this? And I told him what I just told you, you know, I don't want Steve's name to get lost in West Coast hip hop history. He helped me. He took me in his wing. My first job was with him right. at 11 years old, you know, and he looked out for me. You know, right. he was a like an older brother, a father figure, a mentor. He was right. a lot of things to me. And so was Susan. And then he hits me, and I didn't see this coming. He said, yeah, Dad, but what about your story? What about your name? What about your history? And I'll be honest with you, I never cared about myself. I never really cared about me. That's, I, I was always looking at, for somebody else to, you that, know. That's, all, that's always been my problem with, with, with uh, the business. I always looked at, okay, I'm bring this other person up. I'm, I'm going to make the star this other person. It never, was never about me. It's never been about me. Right, right. Well, see, that's why somebody like me wants to uh, allow your name to live on. Because let's be honest, Greg, we probably have more years behind us than in front of us. Right. So what are we waiting for? I don't care about hurting anybody's feelings anymore. Honestly, <laughs> if I tell the truth and it, it hurts them, I told you the truth. I'm not trying to be rude, but, you know... In this generation, we're walking on eggshells with these people. Constantly. People don't I, want to hear the truth. When they hear me, all they hear is crackle. Honestly, because I'm coming. And and that's why I did this, because not only to share my stories, but also to interview people that the radio doesn't give a damn about. Right. You know, if you're not a Travis Scott or Little Pump or whatever, they, they, they can care less about you, you know. Radio is another story. That's a they whole have, another interview. And I do believe that these type of platforms are what's going to take over. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I could see Power 106, uh, Katie. I don't see them around in the next 10 years. No, they're dying an ugly death right now. Yeah. I, 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 and I'm not prophesying that, but I'm just telling you, it, this is what it is, you know? See, when, when I, this is what I want to say. When I started this, when I started in the music business, when I started to DJ, when I was DJing, it was exciting to be the first to play a new record. Yes. You want to be the first to have something. Yes. New, and expose the world to it. Now they don't give a damn. It's like, what can you give me? Yes. You know. I know. How much? Uh, how much uh, are you going to promise me? What are you going to promise me? Yeah. And it and, shouldn't be that way because music is is a gift. Right. You know? Yes. You know, today many artists we don't really know if they're even winning. You know, we don't. We you have a lot of artists, a lot of well known artists that probably have a million followers, and probably average about 10,000 likes. And many of them believe that hype. They believe it. I seen an artist that uh, uh, um, had close to a million uh, uh, followers and I saw him set up his stand at some concert and didn't sell one shirt. 
Yes. So you know, it's it's kind of like uh, uh, that meme that 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 they have on the social media that it says, be, being rich. I mean, being uh, famous on social media is like being rich in Monopoly. <laughs> you know, it it, it's not real. It's it's all fake. You it, know, it, it's it's like... all fake. And the sad thing is that I wish every artist that has a dream to pursue it, I encourage them. You know, I encourage. But I always say, at least have talent to back up that dream. You know. So, I, I mean, today we got guys that just filmed themselves, you know, like, what was that guy's name? I don't know if you know, uh, uh, Bunk Gang or whatever. This guy just running around oh, the streets. Oh, yeah, acting a fool. Just acting a fool, and he was popular and tattooing his face and shot himself for likes, right. you know. So that's where we're at today in, in this generation. And so, anyways, Greg, we've run out of time, hopefully next year, because I have the rest of the year pretty much already booked. I want to bring you back. And I want to touch on things that we didn't touch on. Sure, but I want to get your prediction on your team, the Rams. What are they going to do? Because they lost the last two games. So did your Cowboys. They lost the last two games. Why are you bringing up the past? <laughs> so go ahead. What's your prediction? Playoffs? The Rams going to make the playoffs. They're going to get it together. Okay. This week coming up? This week coming, they're going to beat the, the 49ers, the 49ers. Okay, okay. Oh, that's going to be a big one then. Yeah. Okay, I usually come to the 69ers, but <laughs> okay. Uh, what about Pittsburgh? Because I know you root for them. Well, our year, is, our year is kind of pretty much gone down the tubes. Okay. You know. Okay. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to predict right now, and then uh, when the Super Bowl comes around, I'm going to remind you. Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. <laughs> You, and if people get mad because I said that. You can rest this hat behind this. <laughs> he did me right on my own show, but it's all good. It's all good. So, anyways, Greg, so once again, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. And if anybody gets mad at you for what you said, tell them that I twisted your arm, okay? Blame the Mexican, all right? We're good, man. Thank you once again, Greg. All right, thanks, Thomas, for having me. Uh, um, really quick, where, where can people reach you with anything? I'm on Instagram, greedy G underscore be free. Okay. Say it again. Greedy G underscore B underscore free. Okay. Hit them up. Uh, interviews, uh, movie cameos. Yeah. You know, uh, um, choruses on your rap song. You know, you know what I'm saying? Male exotic dancer, uh, no. <laughs> palm reader for the rich uh. and famous. All right. Well, once again, uh, we're gonna have two more songs playing uh, that are gonna be we're gonna be playing never released before, uh, but only here on Rodium Radio. And we will uh, take you to the official documentary trailer, which would be out November fourth. So be looking out for that. And right after that trailer, we're gonna come back for about ten more minutes. I have to make a special announcement. I have a special guest, uh, uh, and we're gonna be announcing something that you want to stay tuned for. So once again, thank you, and uh, hold on. Once again, thank uh, everybody for uh, tuning in and for waiting for this uh, uh, special announcement. Uh, without further ado, I have a good friend right here named Sandy, and uh, uh, she has something going on this win uh, Sunday. Yes, this Sunday. Uh, su Sunday. Can you t tell us that a little bit? Of um, I'm going to have you come okay. on to my show. Okay. I'm going to do an interview more of the insight on your story, Okay. You know, especially the documentary that you're filming, but I also want to come to a different approach than what i've seen online okay I've pretty much watched all your interviews i've been keeping up with you ever since you know, okay. i heard of you 
and I want to twist it a little bit more mm -hmm. on the feminine side, but I also want viewers to know a little bit exactly of who you are. Okay. Besides the general podcast or interviews that you usually do. Okay. So I want to take that extra step. That'll work. Yeah. So especially because um, my show is based on, you know, relationship advice. I try to give the best of my knowledge, you know, mm -hmm. especially younger girls. My okay. audience is a younger uh, viewer. So... I want to give the best that I, you know, my knowledge. So okay. that when they're older, you know, right now that they're making mistakes, okay. <laughs> make the most, you know, what they're doing. You know? So, so your show is not so much just about hip hop then? No. It's, oh. I mix it in. I've had Razkaz on my show. I've had uh, Misfit Soto on my show. And oh, speak a little bit closer. Oh. I need the people to hear yeah, you. Yeah. I've had uh, Misfit Soto, Razkaz on my show. So I mix it up here and there. Okay. But what I try to stay focused is on, you know, giving the best advice because I feel okay. like a lot of youngsters these days don't, they're just making mistakes left and okay. right. They don't have that person to go to and mm -hmm. get the right acknowledgeable you know, advice that they right. need. You know, sometimes people don't have people to reach out or a friend, you know, that doesn't give the same right. kind of advice, you know. So I'm usually more available uh -huh. to people to reach out to me. I mean, I've been doing it for years for my friends. That's a good thing. So, drug. you know, now I can have more people reach out and say, hey, like, what do you think? Okay. You know? And and how long have you been? Now, is this a live stream? Is this live just... Live stream, yes. You okay. can find us on Chaotic Radio Live. Chaotic on, Radio Live. Yes, on YouTube. We're okay. going to be on on Sunday at 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Yes, yeah, so so you guys subscribe. You'll get the little alert thing that, you know, we're what live. What alert you, yeah. Yeah, so when you come on, you know, your okay. viewers can see. And how, how long have you been doing this? Maybe not necessarily this topic, but interviewing in general. Interviewing, actually, not that long. Maybe okay. since November. Mm -hmm. I started on my show, and then I co-host on Dash Radio as well. Okay. At the Ansamorovic show. So okay. we tend to do more interviews on that show, but I have four or five other co-hosts. So we all just, you know, kind of just give our opinions, and then we ask questions. But my show is more on a personal level. Okay. More it's like a one-on-one -on -one thing. But right. Like I told you, I try to keep it you know, obviously hip hop or the music or right. whatever you're promoting or, you know, people I've had clothing designers in there. I've had besides the hip hop artists, but I try to keep it as like, you know, on their perspective of love and right. advice as well, you know, cause okay. there's people that want to know like, Hey, what is Rask has? What is his opinion on love or advice on, you know, in a relationship, you know, towards his career? Right. You know, some right. people have never heard anything like that. Wow. You know, it's funny because all depending on who you ask that they can come at you with some crazy ass question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, or, or even a crazy ass answer, because I've known people, sadly, to say that, uh, like for me, I know we can talk about it more on your show, but I have the utmost respect for women. You ask certain people and they'll just say bitches and hoes. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, so yeah. yeah, so all depending on who you ask, too. So, That's you know, true. but you know what? Okay, so now, uh, uh once again, uh, where, where can they watch this at? They can watch this on YouTube, Chaotic Radio Live. Um, we're gonna be on Sunday at 9 p.m. Okay, um, if you for some reason can't watch it, you can always find us on iTunes, okay, download Sandy's Insights. Uh, I'm also on Spotify, okay, so and then obviously the interview will stay up. Okay. Forever, so <laughs> good. So, yeah. so, so now, where can people uh, reach you or find you, ask you questions or mm -hmm. whatever? 
Uh, my producer has access to uh, Sandy's Insights on Facebook. Sandy's Insights on Facebook. Okay. Yes. And then you guys can personally contact me on Sandy Pants. Uh, Sandy, and when you spell pants, it's P, the number eight, A-N-T-S. And that's A -N -T -S. on Instagram. It's on Instagram, and that's where they can reach you. Or yes, you ask can ask you. me any questions, and then you know, sometimes depending on who's asking, you know, I'll say, "Hey, like, do you want me to say your name on the show? Do you want me to keep it confidential?" So it's really right. up to the person. But okay. Yeah. That'll work. Well, I'll be there Sunday. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming because I know you had a, a drive away. Oh yeah, <laughs> no worries. Know. Thank you. You know, it's so once again, thank you. Um, Sandy Pants on Instagram Sunday 9 p.m. Um, Really quick, I just want to give credit where credit is due when it comes to my crew, my team. And I always, at the end of every show, I always like to give credit and show love because many times people behind the scenes get left out, they never get acknowledged, uh, um, they never get shown any love, and they're the ones that are pretty much making everything work for me. So the first guy that I want to mention and say that uh, thank you very much is a guy named John Elkins. Uh, you can reach him on Instagram, J-E Visuals. Uh, uh, he likes to go by John motherfucking Elkins. Uh, much love, much respect for him. He's the guy that pulls all the strings, okay, uh, uh, for, for this to happen for me. The next guy is Daniel Jones. You can reach him at DG Media, Media Clips on Instagram, DG Media Clips on Instagram. He's my photographer. He's filmed for my documentary. I've been, we've been on each other since teenagers. We're practically families, but once again, I must always acknowledge him. I like to also acknowledge uh, Boomer uh, from uh, Boomer Did It, the Remedy Yard. Uh, he did a lot of our sound, a lot of our soundtrack for the documentary. Much love and respect to him. I like to give uh, uh, also credit and show love to Wiz Wiz One for also doing some of the sound, some of our mixtape remastering. Once again, uh, much love and respect to him. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to Roger Mera, who I like to also go by uh, Roger Live for restoring some of the music that you heard tonight from tapes that were like 30 years old. Also working heavily and a lot of hours in this documentary. So uh, all these people are listed on the documentary, but you can also reach them on Instagram. If you reach one of us on Instagram, you'll find all of us on there because we all follow each other. Once again, I also want to give a, a shout out to my MC. Hopefully, uh, if it's not late this year, maybe early next year, I would like to go on a Rhodium uh, mixtape tour. He would be my MC. He's Doc Nasty. You can also reach him on Instagram, Doc Nasty. Uh, um, so much love and respect to him. Uh, Misfit Soto, he actually came by and chilled with us, drank a couple of beers and took some pictures. Uh, uh, much love and respect to him. You guys know you guys can reach him on Instagram as well, Misfit Soto. Uh, Omar DJ Oboy. Uh, for coming through, hanging out with us. He also played a very important role uh, uh, in this documentary as well. I uh, want to give a shout out to, who else? Anybody I forget? No. Uh, also want to give a shout out to my good friend, Anna, for showing up. She drove a long ways. Um, so much love, much respect to her. And I also like to thank me. So thank you, Tony. So once again, <laughs> we'll be back on uh, next Wednesday next Wednesday. Tomorrow, log into my Instagram because I'm going to have a surprise guest next week. You, you don't want to miss this. So once again, I got a new Instagram page. Uh, it should be popping up on the screen because somebody was hating on my ass and I got my, this is like my third page delete, like 
my third page this year. Somebody's like really hating on my ass. So people have told me, hey, I thought you blocked me. I thought you, you know, unfollowed me. No, I, my ass was deleted. So uh, if I disappear again, you know, somebody else hated on me. So uh, once again, thank you very much. Thanks to everybody that was here. Much love, my respect. See you guys next week. Uh, and goodbye.